If you brought a copy of Scripture with you this morning, you can find 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at the very last verse, although we'll give a synopsis of the chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're talking about what it means to be more like Jesus. And that sounds a little ambiguous to some of us. We have the mantra, more people, what? More like Jesus. What does that mean? Somebody who came to Christ about a, about a year ago talked to a friend of mine who said, uh, you know, people keep telling me I got to get in the Word, get in the Word. He said to my friend, what does that even mean? <laughs> so he wasn't even explained to him. So what does it mean that we want to become more like Jesus? Well, we're going to capsulize it in one verse We're going to just explode this verse out here today to you, and we'll bring other scripture and thoughts into play. Here's the verse. Look at it. It's an awesome passage of scripture. Look at it. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being, say the word, transformed, metamorpho. We get a word metamorphosed from this word. Transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the power word here, there's actually several, but the big one is transformed. Again, we get our word metamorphosis from this. That's where we want to be. That's the place. Okay? Now, the path to get there, because paths lead to places, amen, is right here in this text. The path of becoming more like Jesus is what we're talking about here. The path of becoming more like Jesus. And it starts by, be, by coming into a relationship with Jesus. That's the first thing we see here, okay? So the path of becoming more like Jesus starts with coming into a relationship with Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul throughout this chapter has, has been comparing the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the law, with the New Covenant in Jesus, And he, in essence, tells us the old covenant was glorious. How glorious was it? Well, look at the guy who represented the old covenant, Moses. Imagine being Moses, and here's what the Bible tells us about him in the old covenant. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Now, how awesome would that be, huh? To be able to talk to God face to face. Now, that is glorious. Would you agree? Imagine it. And yet, look at the first two words in this verse. Look at them. We, what? We all. We all who've had our faces unveiled. We all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. All of us, not just Moses, all who turn to Jesus get to see Jesus. Now, we see him with the eyes of faith because we walk by faith, not by what? Not by sight, right? The unveiled face. We all with unveiled face. That that metaphor actually is alluding to Moses when he came off of Mount Sinai literally wearing a veil. Do you remember the story? Moses is up there with God getting the Ten Commandments. He's up there for 40 days. He comes down. And the Bible tells us his face was resplendent. Remember that? Some expositors think it was like, whoa, they couldn't even look at him. It was so bright. That might be the case. So the question is, why did he cover his face? 
And um, the reason I believe that God had Moses cover his face because his face didn't continue to shine. Remember, it dimmed. It, it went dim. And God didn't want the people to see the dimming effect take place. Take place. Here's the point. The, he was telling us the old economy, the old testament, the old covenant, the old law was dimming. It was fading. The new one is glorious. It's eternal. It never fades. And that's what he's telling us here. It's glorious. It's unveiled. In fact, he says a couple of verses earlier, to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies over their what? Notice he switched metaphors. He said the veil's over their face. Now he says the veil's over our hearts. Now he's talking about the Jews. When Moses is read, that means the Old Testament, the law is read. The veil remains over their hearts. And that's the way it is for a number of you here today. And some of you watching online, I'm sure. The truth of God is read. The truth of God is preached to you. In some of your cases, you study the Bible. But a veil stays over your heart. There's still a veil there. Your Christianity is in form only. Oh, you're sincere, but you're sincerely wrong. Your greatest need isn't to become more like Jesus. Your greatest need is to come to Jesus. That's what you need to do. And, that, and look again, a couple verses earlier, but when one turns to the Lord, verse 16, the veil is what? It's taken away. It's removed. That's what happens when you truly come to Jesus. The veil is removed. It's removed from the heart because our hearts are darkened apart from Jesus. So just the other day, uh, my wife and I for several months have been working with this couple. They're very, very precious to us. And we've been working with him. And then I brought a friend in with me as well. So two weeks ago, his girlfriend comes to know Jesus as Savior. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. And he didn't. He was, he was tearful. He was moved by the whole thing. But he wasn't ready to be saved. In fact, he said, I just need more information. I need more information. I, I just don't know everything. Well, guess what? I got news for you. I don't know everything either. I know that's shocking to some of you. Because I don't. There's a lot of things we just don't know. And we had to explain to him that some of his questions were unanswerable. Not that there isn't an answer, but the Bible didn't actually come up with them. And we're going to have to trust the Lord that he'll reveal those to us in his time or in heaven. So when we came back together just the other day, having seen his girlfriend come to Christ, he said, I'm ready to be saved. And I said, what got you there? He goes, I had to get to a place where I didn't have to know everything. And I said, let me encourage you with something. A, a scripture, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Easy reference to remember. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. How cool is that? So in other words, there are secret things that God does not intend to let you and me know. Not much, but what he does he does tell us it's enough to save us. It's enough to have the veil lifted from our, our darkened hearts. And when he saw that truth, he said, that is awesome. I'm ready. He repented. He placed his faith in Jesus. And now he's in a relationship with Jesus. Just the other day. So the path of becoming more like Jesus starts by coming into a relationship 
with Jesus. That's where it starts, and that's where some of you just need to stop and say, I need this. I need Jesus. Secondly, that path forms as we reflect upon Jesus. The path forms as we reflect upon Jesus. And that's impregnated right into the text. Now, I marvel how littles eventually look like their parent. But I shouldn't. They have, the, they have all the genetics, right? They have all the genetics. And yet, just the other day, I asked my daughter-in-law. She was bouncing her little boy on her hip. And I said, who does he, who does he look like? And she goes, she goes, I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> because they've had other kids that look just like one of the parents. And I thought, isn't that the way it is? Sometimes we have kids, and I mean, right out of the chute, they look like mom or dad. Others, after years, they start to look like one of the parents. But eventually, they look like one of the parents. I think that's the same thing. There are some people who trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They turn to Jesus, like the text says, and they're so radically changed, like, yeah, that's a Christian. He's looking like Jesus. Others, it's like, I'm not so sure. But over time, they start to look like Jesus. And that happens as we reflect upon Jesus. The requirement of the forming of looking like Jesus is that we continually reflect upon him. You say, where does it say that? It's all embedded in the word beholding. We all, with unveiled face, what's the next word? Beholding. It's a cruel word. In fact, the old King James actually gives you a literal rendering of it. It literally means to reflect in a mirror. That's what it means. To reflect in a mirror, which, you know, most of you are pretty good at. Right? Looking in a mirror, falling in love with yourself. The idea there is you look, in the, you look at Jesus like you're looking in a mirror, but you're looking at Jesus. You're reflecting upon him, his life, his character, his fearlessness, his gentleness, his humility. And above everything else, you reflect upon the cross of Jesus Christ where our salvation occurs. Amen? That's what we're going to do at the Lord's table. That's what we're doing. We reflect upon that. Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, right? I'm gentle, I'm lowly, my yoke is easy, my burden is what? It's light. You see, too many of, this is the problem, and this is why anxiety and depression is so rife today, even amongst Christians. And the reason is because too many of us reflect only on ourselves. We reflect on our bodies we reflect on our faces, we reflect on our health, we reflect uh, on our performances, we reflect on our service, and we literally look for validation in all of those things. And you can throw in, we look for validation in our marriages, we look for validation with our kids, we look for validation with our friends, we look for validation with our standard of living. And that's the reason why we have a society so narcissistic so wrapped up in themselves. You know where that word came from, don't you? Have you ever heard of the Greek god Narcissus? He was this stunningly handsome, according to Greek mythology, god who, uh, he was the river god. He was so in love with himself, he caught his reflection one day in the pond and pined away 
out of love for himself and died. And what grew up in his place was the flower that bears his name, the narcissist. That's where some of you are right now. You can't get your mind off yourself. Everything is about you. How do you battle narcissism in order to become and look more like Jesus? The great Scottish preacher, Robert Murray McShane, gave us the best remedy. For every look at yourself, take 10 looks to Christ. For every look at yourself, take 10 looks to Christ or at Christ. By the way, let's expand that exhortation. For every look at your marriage, take 10 looks to Christ. Every look at your children, 10 looks to Christ. Every look at the culture and the news and the tragedy and the evil and the hurt and your personal lost expectations and the sadness that you endure. Every one of those, take 10 looks to Christ and be transformed. Metamorphized. And by the way, the word transformed there, it, it, the, the Greek carries the idea of a change that comes from innate, innate, not external qualities. Inward change that produces outward results, not the other way around. That's why Paul says, don't be conformed to the world, right? That's the Greek word schemata, and that's something outward affecting you. But be metamorphized, transformed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. That's how you start to look like Jesus. And he says in the text, he says, be transformed into the same image. That's the image of Jesus. The fact the Greek word was used for the face of the Roman emperor on a particular coin. Charles Wesley captured the idea here in his great Christmas hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. He said, Adam's likeness now we face, stamp thine image in its place. That's the idea there. Now the contrast, if you want to know what it means to be contrastive to being transformed, this is really going to be something many of you just need to camp on, is with Satan. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Have you ever read that? The word disguises is the Greek word um, where it's, it's schismata. It means to, um, it, we get our word scheme from this word, to scheme. And it carries the idea of a change only on the outward, not on the inward. And that's what Satan, Satan can't change himself inwardly, so he changes his outward appearance in order to fool us. And some of you, listen carefully to this, are right there. Your changes are all external. You conform to the norm of Christianity. What you do and don't do. Who you hang out with, who you don't hang out with. What your standards are. They all become your very identity. Not Jesus. Listen, you might not live like others, but neither do you look like Jesus. In fact, you need to ask yourself if you even know him. If all of your validation, if all of your identity is based on what you call yourself or what you do, 
and not from the internal change that God himself has wrought in your life by trusting Christ as your Savior. If you're saved, if you're truly born again, the seed of God is in you. How cool is that? John tells us that. And now, work out yourself. Let it come out. Let it come out. And if you let it come out, you'll see, we'll see, the face of Jesus. Thirdly and finally, the path. The path that we're talking about here of becoming more like Jesus shines as we become more like Jesus. Look at that expression. I'm putting it up there for you. From one, we get, we get transformed into that image. Watch this. From one degree, one degree of glory to another. That's what we call sanctification, growing in Christ. And listen carefully. The path that molds us into becoming more like Jesus is a hard one. Let's be honest. It's a hard one. But it's also a glorious one. Every degree is a glorious degree, no matter how hard it may be. Solomon put it like this in the Old Testament. In Proverbs chapter 4, he said, he said, the path of the righteous is like the first light of day that shines brighter and brighter under the fullness of day. Have you ever read that? Frank Dupree, in his book Metamorphosis, tells the story of, of, a, of a father and a son they were out on a nature trail, and they came upon a chrysalis. They came upon a cocoon, a monarch butterfly coming out of the cocoon. They came upon it while it was coming out. How cool would that be? And they got around to there watching it, and they kept watching, and they kept watching. It was taking forever. <laughs> so the dad pulled out his little pocket knife and just put the little tiny slit there in the chrysalis here, the little cocoon, and... The butterfly popped out, fell to the ground, and died. Because it's in the struggle of the monarch butterfly to come out of that cocoon that pushes the blood to all the wings so that it can fly. And the father condemned it by taking the struggle away. We hate watching those we love struggle. Can I get an amen? But as Dupree points out in his book, often the best help we can provide our loved ones is to do nothing. Sanctification, for all of its struggle, is the process that makes us shine. This is why Paul said to the, the Galatians, my little children in whom I labor in birth pangs until Christ be formed in you. Have you ever read that? And you notice who does it? What person of the Godhead does it at the end of verse 18? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who transforms our darkened hearts, opens our blinded eyes, and brightens our gloomy faces. And by looking at some of your faces, yeah, they're kind of gloomy. You could use a good dose of the Holy Spirit. What does your face look like? Figuratively and actually. I don't have a bucket list per se, but there are a couple things I'd like to do. One of them would be to go to the Northeast and visit some of those states up there, like New Hampshire. New Hampshire, they're proud people there. They, uh, if you go to New Hampshire, 
you will see on a lot of their stuff, back, there's a cultural icon that has become a tourist attraction. It's called the Old Man of the Mountain. Anybody ever heard of it? It's, he's, he's the real deal. Here's the profile. There he is, the Old Man of the Mountain. People go there to see this guy. Looks like a profile of a guy. And he, he's such a cultural icon that they have it on their license plates, their stamps, even their coinage. That's a proud people, those New Hampshireers. Here's the problem. In 2003, his face fell off. It really did. It fell off. It's gone. They got a committee together to put the old man's face back on, and they finally gave up on it. Some of you who once walked with Jesus, but you're not walking with him now, his face has fallen off of you. And I don't see Jesus in you anymore. Now, in New Hampshire, they considered restoring the old man's face, and they gave up on it. But if you really know Jesus, you're a new man. You're a new woman. And I've got good news for you. God never gives up on his children in putting the face of his son back on them. And maybe you just need to humble yourself before the living God today. Some of you don't need to become more like Jesus you, come, you need to just come to Jesus. Don't trust your good works or your religion. Don't trust your church. Don't trust this church. Trust Jesus, amen? He's the one who died and rose again for you. Repent of your sin and believe on him. And some of you who know Jesus and you desire to become more like him, you need a facelift. May God give that to you. And so as we finish here, we're going to go to the Lord's table. We've got stations all around. These are symbols, symbols of the life in the bread and the death symbolizing the juice of Jesus. And so when you, if you're a Christian, you can take this communion. If you're not a Christian, sit where you are. No, I got better. Trust Jesus. All right? But as you do, I want you to identify some struggle in your life right now. It could be the recent tragedy. It could be something in your own personal life. And I want you to take one look at it. Take a good look at it. And then take 10 looks at Jesus. And then partake of the elements, which we'll do together. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We bless your name. And thank you for the joy and the truth that we can become more like Jesus. Forgive us who do know you, Lord, for having countenances and lives and walks that don't look like Jesus, but help us to know that the face can be put back on by you, by the Spirit of God, and please do that today through our confession and repentance. I pray for those in this room and watching online who've never really turned to Jesus. They've turned to a lot of things, religious, but not to Jesus only. Maybe today would be the day you would trust him and I pray that you would. 
Now, Lord, be with us in a special way as we take your table. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.